So I just want to start that I learned a lot about prayer when someone taught me how it was not done. And one of the, uh, and I'm praying my iPad works, okay. And one of the, uh, the real moments uh, where I learned in prayer was uh, r- the reason why I'm here today at uh, Grace Presbyterian Church uh, serving in a Presbyterian denomination because I first started out as uh, United Methodist. Uh, and the way that worked is you had a bishop, and they tell you when to go to a church, and then they tell you when to leave, uh, except I didn't know that when I signed up. So I'm at this church, and the bishop calls, and you, when your office manager says the bishop's on the phone, you've got to answer it, right? You can't pretend you're not there. And there are seven district superintendents on the phone. These people all control everything about my whole life, and... They say, Pastor John, you've done such a great job at that church. We want you to go to this church. We want you to move. And and this is in a few months. Go ahead and leave. And I said back to them, can I talk to my wife and also pray about it? And you know what they said to me? We've already prayed. (laughs) So I went home and told Renee that. She said, I think the Lord's calling you to get out of the Methodist church. <laughs> and um, so here I am. <laughs> yeah, here I am. So yeah, but hey, no, 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 no. That, I'm, not, I'm not looking for that. I'm just saying, look, that's not the right way to pray. You know, that's like a guy saying to a girl, hey, I prayed about it and the Lord said, you're supposed to be with me. I heard guys say that in seminary and the girl goes, well, you tell the Lord to tell me and then I'll tell you, Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about prayer because one of the disciplines I want to challenge you with during this season of Lent is to actually pray and pray like you've never done before. And you'll probably have something happen that you've never happened before. Um, how many of you, though, when it comes to prayer, might say you probably don't pray as often as you should? Go ahead and raise your hand. And if you're online, you might say not as often as I should. Another question, um, how many of you believe in the power of prayer, but you think, you know what? I'm not sure that my prayers are all that effective. Okay, again, a lot of hands up. Yeah, we, we got our work cut out. If there was one constant in Jesus' life, if there's one thing when you study the life of Jesus, and that's really what we want to do during the season of Lent, if you want to live like Jesus, then you got to look at how he lived and then do what he did. If there was one constant, no matter what was going on in the disciples' world or his world or the Roman Greco world, If there was one constant, Jesus was always pursuing the Father in prayer. And so if the Son of God has to pursue the Father in prayer, probably we should as well. Amen? Amen. All right. He prioritized it. And look what happened. He was completely faithful to God. He was able to offer forgiveness on the cross. He was able to perform many, many miracles because of the way he lived and loved. So I just want to go through... And just want to challenge you during the season of Lent to actually pray and, and live like Jesus lived when it came to Jesus' prayer life. But I just want to start off with saying, I know why some of you struggle with prayer. How many of you say, you know what, I kind of struggle with prayer? Yeah, I, I, I know why. The first thing is, is we lack focus at times. How many of you have been praying and suddenly your, your, your attention deficit disorder, which is called spiritual deficit disorder, kicks in really high gear. Yeah, yeah. The whole room. Okay. All right. Very good. Yeah. Right. I'm going to pray 
and I, I'm going to think, I'm going I'm to just pray to God. And then I start praying, and then I'm thinking about, oh, my gosh, I forgot to take out the trash. Anyone with me? Right? Or sometimes, let me just be honest, sometimes you're praying a long time, sometimes you're like, oh, this is getting kind of boring. I mean, I mean I'm just talking to the real people tonight here, okay? You can pretend you're more spiritual. I'm, I'm talking to the back row tonight. All right, thank you very much. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, look, I remember when I was a kid, and I was praying, and it got a little bit boring, and then I would fall asleep. And the next day, I'd hear God say to me, you forgot to sign off last night. I didn't hear an amen. I didn't hear, uh, that's it, that's all, nothing, right? Another reason, some of us don't pray is because we lack confidence, right? We, we, especially like you're around somebody that really knows how to pray, Right? Because my mom, I, I did not like to pray around my mom because my mom could pray. And I'd be like, my mom like, well, John, you're the pastor. You, oh, no, mom, you go ahead. You go ahead. Because like if there was such thing as a professional prayer, like if they would pray, like prayer.com, that was my mom, okay, for sure. All right? They're prayer warriors. And they're, and they're like, if there's some kind of situation you're in, like you're in a bad situation, my mom be like, Lamentation 320, let's pray. And I'm like, what is... Did God lament? What is, what's Lamentations? What are you talking about? Right? And, and have you ever been around someone? They're like, they're like calling on the names of Jehovah, God, Nissan, Toyota RAV4. And, and you're like, what? God, Nissan, Maxima, what? What are you talking about? Right? And, and they, they ask you to pray, to, you know, over the food. And you're like, uh, okay, God bless this meat. Let's eat. Yeah. That's profound. Yeah. Or sometimes some of us lack faith. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're like, we're not sure that God will do it. Or we might believe God will do it, but I'm not really sure he's going to do it for me. Anyone with me on that one? Yeah? Yeah, we wonder, does God really hear my prayers? Does God really care? Does God still know my address? And sometimes we can make a really strong argument because we say, you know what, I prayed I remember praying when I was 12 years old, my grandmother Roberts died, and I remember being at the funeral thinking, if only God had heard my prayer, my grandma would still be alive. Anyone ever, ever had that thought? Yeah. And you probably have your own version. You prayed maybe for your parents to stay married, and they didn't. They got a divorce. And you're, you're asking, why didn't God do that? Or you prayed for your grandmother to be healed, and she was not healed. You pleaded with God to overcome that repetitious sin in your life, and it's still there. And so you conclude, hey, I don't know, prayer may work for other people, but not for me. So this message is, is really titled, When You've Given Up on Prayer. And how many of you have ever, at some point in your life, said, you know what, I've kind of given up on prayer? Anybody? Yeah, absolutely. So in that spirit, let's go to God in prayer. <laughs> God, we ask that in your presence on this Ash Wednesday, that through the teaching of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw each of us during this 40 days of Lent into an intimate and ongoing relationship with you and that we might live the way Jesus lived, who had an ongoing fellowship and dependence upon you. God, teach us to pray. Give us a heart to pray. Help us to live in an attitude of prayer so that we can live and love the way Jesus loves. We pray this with faith, believing you're going to hear our prayer tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, yeah. So 
just real quickly, just real quickly to go through this, just a few things on what prayer is not. Prayer is not a formal presentation, right? It can be, but it doesn't have to be. It's not like you get extra credit if you do it like in an old English accent or something, okay? Right? Uh, you don't have to have a minister robe. You don't have to kneel down. You don't have to have fancy language to approach God. You don't have to be like, like we beseech the old great father. You don't have to do that. Okay, are you with me? Yes? All right. Prayer also is not just giving God your wish list. Okay, God is not some cosmic vending machine or Santa Claus uh, or that we can just say, okay, God, you know, I prayed it in Jesus' name, now give it to me. Okay? That's not what it is. Also, prayer is not a spiritual negotiation. How many of you ever negotiated with God? Okay, God, if you just get me out of this mess, I promise I'll, I, I will, I'll double up my attendance. I'll, I'll do something more at the church. A- anybody? Yeah. That's not what prayer is. It's not a spiritual negotiation. And it's not really a show to try to impress people. When you look at the way Jesus lived, you see how he interacted with God. We discover this about Jesus. He lived as prayer was not just an action that you do, but that prayer is just a way of life for Jesus. It was just a way of living, okay? And when you look at that, prayer is not just a momentary action when you fold your hands or when you bow your head and say something that you can close with amen. It's actually something, a way of life. In other words, Jesus prayed with how he lived. Every time you bless somebody in a conversation, you're praying over them. Every time you do something with your feet that blesses somebody else, you're praying with your feet. Are you getting what I'm saying here? That prayer is not just conversation with God. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. And you also want to prioritize it because if you want to love like Jesus loved, if you want to live like Jesus lived, you look at how he prioritized prayer in Scripture. And the gospel writers all record this over and over again. You see Jesus would leave the crowd and he would go off to... Okay, there's three of you awake. Really? Come on. It's only 6.04, friends. All right. He would go alone and he would seek the Father in... Yeah. He would get up in the early in the morning to pray. He would pray late at night. He would go off to the lake to pray. He would go to the mountainside to pray. He was always disconnecting from those around him to connect to the one that he came from, God. In fact, when you look at how Jesus prayed in the Gospels, it's fascinating. Just, just real quickly, going to go through these. He prayed at baptism. He prayed in the morning before going to Galilee. He prayed after healing people. He prayed the night he chose the disciples. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of them. Some of you all getting worried, okay? He prayed for little children. He prayed for himself, his disciples. He prayed right after being nailed to the cross. He prayed while he was dying on the cross. He prayed all throughout the day. Prayer was not just something he occasionally did. Prayer was a way of life. It's what Jesus did all the time. Now, think about all the other times Jesus, just through the normal course of the day, that he prayed, and we don't even have recordings of that. We don't even have that in Scripture, but we know that he prayed. Now, I know a lot of people say this, and it's a temptation that we all face. We're like, well, Pastor, you know, I would pray more if I had more time. Amen? 
right? And you're like, well, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I'm not very productive when I'm praying. There may be nothing, let me say it this way, there may be nothing more productive than the time you spend seeking the heart of God and inviting his power, his presence, his strength to be with you. To be with you. Because I don't know about you, but it is, it's a tough world. We live in a very harsh time, right? There's, a, there's Putins everywhere. I mean, seriously. Hello? Okay, I guess I'm talking to myself tonight. And so as Christians, we're called not to be of the world, but we're called to be in the world. And that means we have to deal with people in the world. So there are times when I have to disconnect as a pastor, and you should disconnect to things that, I got to disconnect from things that do not last in order to connect to the one who does last. Hello? Right? I have to disconnect from everything that is temporary to connect to the one that is eternal. You've got to connect with the one who thought of you and made you and created you and thought you were a good idea. So again, prayer is not just a momentary action. It's every step of the day. In fact, I want to read to you a translation. It's a devotional translation from Matthew's Gospel. This is Eugene Peterson's translation, which is a great Bible you ought to, you ought to read. Eugene Peterson's The Message. Uh, it's not a literal translation, but it's very meaningful. Eugene Peterson put it this way in the words of Jesus. Jesus essentially says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place and find a place to, to pray. So as you think about praying over these next 40 days, as you think about committing your heart and your life to prayer, I want to challenge you to find a place where you can go and pray every day. Maybe it's going for a walk in your neighborhood. Maybe it's going to the beach and sitting there and having some time. Maybe it's on your drive to work and you're, you're going to turn off the radio and you're just going to pray. But find some place to pray. Renee place is the bathtub. When she goes into the bathtub, I cannot say a word. I'm to leave her alone. It is her time and the Lord and Calgon and all that stuff, okay? And she, she prays in there. I, I'm just not allowed to interrupt. Now, some of you, I know if you have young kids, you're thinking, okay, pray in the bathroom. That's where I can go. I got three kids under six. I can go there. It'll be like four minutes till I'm discovered, but pray there anyway, okay? And what happens is if you find a constant place... Like my grandfather, my grandfather growing up, he had this big swing out on his, on his back porch and he called it his prayer swing. And I love that. And we would go out there and we would sit on the prayer swing and then he would listen to these uh, radio preachers, you know, on, on the radio. And he would, this, remember radios? Does everyone have a radio anymore? <laughs> well, there used to be a thing, kids. Look it up. You would dial in. You had to like dial it in the, the right channel. But he would have the, the preacher on and we'd be on the prayer swing, you know, and we'd be talking. And we'd be listening, and he would turn it down, and he'd go, what do you think of that? And I'd be like, uh, I don't know, Pappy, what do you think of that? <laughs> but what happens if you find a place where you can pray and do it often and repeatedly, the focus will shift from you to God, and you'll actually begin to interact with God, and you'll actually begin to see some of God's grace. In other words, Jesus often went alone to pray. He actually asked the disciples, will you stay awake and pray for me over here while I go talk to the Father, while I go pray? Find a quiet place to pray. But beyond that, it's not just, 
not just praying in a quiet place. It is recognizing that intimacy with God is never accidental. Intimacy with another person is never accidental. You have 168 hours a week. How many of those hours are you spending connecting me with God? Right? Imagine me saying to Renee, hey, there's 168 hours this week. I'm going to give you one. But I'm really devoted to you. I love you very much, but I can't see you for 167 hours. She would say, you're not devoted to me. Would she not? Hello? She might say, that's good, but, you know, (laughs) that was a joke. Come on, friends. (laughs) There's no relationship that is going to happen on microwave time in any kind of depth. Every relationship that is quality in your life is going to be a crock pot. It's going to simmer and stew, and that means you've got to plan time. That means you should say, when I wake up, I'm going to plan some time with God, or or the middle of the day, or whatever it is, okay? Amen? Amen. And so illustrate this, and and part of it is you want it to be quiet, you want it to be still. Uh, When I was um, 12 years old, there was a guy in my neighborhood that was a, he was a budding professional musician, and uh, it was in Nebraska. I was 12 years old. Uh, I was mowing lawns for realtors. I was doing anything I could to make money at 12. Uh, and he would hire me sometimes to show up at his, he did birthday parties for 50 bucks. This is a lot of money back then. He gave me like five and I was his assistant. And one of the things that he had is he had doves in his backyard. And if you've ever raised doves, one of the things he taught me about doves that I learned Um, is that a dove will never land on anything that is not still. You don't ever see a dove landing on a train going 100 miles an hour. Everything's got to be still. Now, you think about that. And you think about when Jesus was baptized. The heavens opened up, and God said, this is my son whom I love. I want everybody to know I'm proud of him. And with him, I'm well pleased. And the heaven opened up and a dove descended. And Jesus was still enough that that dove, and dove represented what? The Holy Spirit descended upon him. So you've got to be still enough. This is why scripture says what? Be still and know that I am God, right? So you've got to find a secluded place. You've got to find a place where you can, your soul can be still so that the Holy Spirit, the dove can land in your heart and your life. Does that make sense? I hope so. I hope so. So what do I pray about, Pastor? Well, pray about whatever you care about. Whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart, whatever you're excited about, whatever questions you have, whatever you're burdened about, pray about. Which I hope you're praying for the people of Ukraine. I hope you're praying for them who imagine their lives. That you have to leave your home and everything and try to go to Poland? With what? Imagine that. Because Putin wants to redraw the lines and wants to go back to the way the Soviet Union was 80 years ago? That's just wrong. Amen? Amen. So pray about everything. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Absolutely. Talk to him like he's a close friend because he is. 
If you have questions, ask him. If you're mad at God, tell him. It's okay. It, God's not going to say, oh, I can't handle your anger. You're just too overbearing for me. Run to God with your questions. Don't run away from him with your doubts. Run to him with that. Now, let me, let me say, the reason I want to say about pray about everything, because I don't think we do that. I think we live a certain way. And I'm going to ask it this way. How many of you grew up eating TV dinners? Hungry Man Jack, right, right, right? Remember that? Remember that one? TV dinners. Raise your hands. Uh, do they still have TV dinners? Some of you are like, yeah. How many of you still eat them? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, next week's sermons, better diet choices for all of us. All right, so TV dinners. Let's think about TV dinners. At the bottom, what do you got? You got your mystery meat, right? Could be turkey, chicken, fish, whatever they put on the package, you're not really sure. All right, and then you got, you got your mashed potatoes. Then you got your peas, which you never ate. You just flicked them at your brother or you smashed them, right? Hello? And then you had that dessert, but it was like, it was like the dog ate it and vomited back up. What is that? I'm just being real tonight, friends. Come on. (laughs) Okay. Act all holy. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's Wednesday night. I know who you really are. Okay. So the reason I share this is because we tend to treat our lives like a TV dinner. We compartmentalize everything over here is my, oh, this is my, my time at the gym and over here is my relationships, and over here is my work, and over here is my school, my studies, and over here is my, uh, my recreational time. And, you know, we just have all these different compartments, and, and we think, oh, and like over here is my church. That's a little section on the TV dinner, right? And what I want you to understand is that God doesn't just want to be part of your life. Like some of you, like you pray in the morning, okay, God, talk to you tomorrow, same time. Wish me luck today. God doesn't want to be just a part of your life. Compartmentalize. Does this make sense? Right? God doesn't want five minutes of your prayer time in the morning. God doesn't want a part of your life. He is your life. He's your creator, your redeemer, your sustainer, your everything. From him comes the beat of your very heart, the breath in your lungs. He's every part of your of your life that matters in your life. And he promises he'll never leave you or forsake you. So look at how Jesus lived. Again, Scripture says things like this. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, never stop praying. Let's all read that. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. And then the NIV says it this way, pray continually. Pray continually. The King James Version takes that same passage and says, pray without ceasing. And this used to make me feel guilty because I couldn't pray five minutes without being distracted. But it started to dawn on me that it's not just a prayer where you're praying. It's actually how you live your life. That there are some people live lives that are prayerful. They're just prayerful. And it was a way of life for Jesus. It was an ongoing awareness that God never leaves you. God never forsakes you. He's with you. And you can talk to God anywhere, anytime. Amen? Amen? All right. In other words, prayer is living in God's presence. It's experiencing God's grace. It is hearing his whisper throughout the day. It's enjoying his power and experiencing his peace. And prayer isn't getting 
God to do what we want God to do. It is aligning our will with, with God's will. Let me put it this way. I put this in a devotional recently, so forgive me if you read it. But if you go fishing and you're close to the shore and you're in a boat and you cast your line and you're not good at casting like me and you hook the shore and you begin to reel it in. I got a big one. Woo! It's a big shore. And you begin reeling it in and the boat begins to move. Where's it going to move? Are you going to pull the shore to you or are you going to pull the boat to the shore? Which one, church? The boat's going to go to the shore. So when we pray, it's, we're cast our line and God's the shore. And that means we're going to align our will with God's will. He's going to pull us to where we start to care about the things that God cares about. Amen? Amen. That's prayer. In other words, God will comfort you in the middle of your trials because he's always loving you. When you're walking in the spirit of prayer, you actually start to pay attention. You start to get nudges from God. Some of you are going through health battles right now. And some of you will testify that I text you three or four times a week. It's not because I'm a great pastor. I'd like to think so. You're supposed to say amen at that point. I got to cue you now, huh? No, I would like to think so, but here's what happens. I'm praying, and with God as my witness, I will get a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's just a word. It's a person's name. Send them a text. Let them know you're praying for them. Give them a call. Pray for them. And I can't tell you how many times I do that, and the people respond like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh, I was just going to call you. Oh, my gosh, I was just thinking about this. It's so good knowing that you're praying for me. Do you have any idea the power of saying to someone, I'm praying for you, and then reminding them just spontaneously? Do you have any idea what it can do to your relationship, your marriage, when you say, hey, I'm praying for you today. I know it's not an easy day. Renee's had some tough days at school. She's actually nicknamed her school. I'm not going to say the name of it, Morales. Anyhow, she's nicknamed, she's nicknamed it the yard. I'm like, the yard? What are you talking about? And she... <laughs> There's this big steel fence and gate that she goes in. I said, yard? What are you talking about, the yard? Your day at the yard? What are you talking about? She goes, you know, the prison yard. That's where I work. I'm like, the prison yard? Come on. So I pray for her. I pray for her. Now, again, I, I, I wrote this message because sometimes I felt like a prayer failure. Anyone ever felt like a prayer failure? Right? And... And I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to be really good at this. But I want to tell you, Renee has taught me a lot about prayer. But the thing about Renee, and I'll be honest, I love my wife, but Renee prays way too long for me. She is like, and she has to do like warm-up prayers before she gets to the main prayer. I'm not kidding you. I swear to you, I heard one time God say, please, woman, just start. Go ahead. For sure. All right. So. Let me give you this. Let me close with this because I know we're hungry and we're going to eat some potluck here. Let me give you four ways to pray during the, the, the Lenten season. Everybody say four. four. All right. First of all, you should always give God your waking thoughts. Every day you wake up and say, good morning, God. Now, sometimes we wake up and we're overwhelmed. Oh, my gosh, I got all this going on, on my to-do list, blah, 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 all this stuff going on. Instead of doing that, saying, you know what, God? I thank you that you love me, you made me, you created me. You're going to give me the skills. You're going to give me the talent. You're going to give me the energy today to deal with everything i got to deal with. 
And right away, you've started off your day in a different place because you've given God your waking thoughts. Does this make sense? Instead of waking up and worrying, instead of waking up and having anxiety, oh, I got I to gotta scroll on my phone and, and see, you know, see what's going on, take that time, put your phone down, and pray, okay? I'm devoting my whole day to you. And then the next thing you want to give God is your waiting thoughts. Give God all of your thoughts of all the things you're waiting on. You're praying for the salvation of a loved one. You're hoping that someone will quit drinking. You're praying for a miracle. You're praying for a provision. You're praying for a breakthrough. You're praying that you can have Ash Wednesday this year. You're praying for whatever you can. And take that and give that to God. All your waiting thoughts. Then throughout the day, you can do what I call whispering thoughts or just breath prayers. Breath prayers. Have you ever prayed a breath prayer in the middle of a staff meeting? Sometimes you're praying for the other person. Often you're praying, please, Lord, control my mouth. Just me? It's a breath prayer. You probably don't want to, and this is why I call it a whispering thought, because you're whispering to God. You probably don't want to bind up your neighbor and, you know, they're demons in Jesus' name in the middle of the staff meeting. That's probably not going to go well for you. Okay? They're not going to like you. But if you're having a difficult moment, just say a breath prayer. I do this a lot in my car. Please, God, help them. Please, God, help me. Please, God, help tonight go well. Please, God, help this message to go well. Don't answer it. Don't tell me how it's going, all right? So, God, would you give me the words to say? Sometimes I pray this for, God, give me the right words so I can connect with my kids. I need to connect with my kids. Because sometimes when your kids are growing up, they're pulling away. That, that's part of their journey. They want to be independent, and they don't want to connect with you. They, they think everything you're doing is dumb right now. I remember my dad was very dumb when I was 17. Same guy was very smart when I was 25. Then you want to give God your waning thoughts. Your waning thoughts at the end of the day, and this is, this is something that really is a really good thing. You can learn this from people in 12 steps. It's called taking a daily inventory. And the way you can do this in prayer is you can just say, God, here's where I saw you today. And God, here's where I really experienced you today. And God, here's where I'm thankful for what you did today. And sometimes your waning thoughts can be, you know what, God, I really messed up and I need to make amends with that person because I said something I shouldn't have said or I did something I shouldn't have done. So God, help me to correct that and give God your waning thoughts. Amen? Amen. And then you cast your cares upon him because Scripture says he cares for you. And that when when it says cast your cares on him, that's a violent word. That's the same word that Jesus did when he threw the money changers out of the temple. It's violent. You have to get rid of your cares because your cares, if you keep stuffing them and stuffing your worries and stuffing your guilt and stuffing your anxiety... Pretty soon, you run out of room and places to stuff things, and it gets really, really heavy. And that's why the Scripture says, hey, you're not meant to carry this. Don't carry what is meant to carry you, and that's God. God's meant to carry you, not the other way around. Amen? And again, you're talking to Jesus. And here's what it says in 1 John 5. In approaching God in prayer, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears our prayers. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we've asked about him. So the Apostle Paul wrote from prison, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's, here's what happens. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. God of grace, we give thanks for this time to gather and remember our own mortality. Remember that from dust we came and to dust we shall return. But we give thanks for Jesus, most of all, who climbed up on that cross out of love for each of us and spread out his arms and said, I love you this much. And that love is eternal. And he forgave us for all of our mistakes, for all the ways that we fail to live, for all of our blunders, all of our failures, Christ has forgiven us. And we're grateful tonight for that. And Father, I just want to pray that we would, over these next 40 days, just take 40 days of prayer, and we would give you our waking thoughts, and we would give you our waiting thoughts, and we would give you our whispering thoughts, and we would give you our waning thoughts. And we would also give you every thought, and that we'd see that our whole life can be a life of prayer, how we live, how we forgive, what we do. We pray this in the name of the one who taught us how to pray. When the disciples asked and said, teach us how to pray, Jesus said these words as we say now together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us this not a temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, his kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Uh, this last song that uh, Miriam is going to do is all about uh, the fact that we are forgiven, um, that we are given grace. And uh, so I, I just want you to hear this song and let it minister to your hearts.